This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Business of football. Welcome. You made it. I'm Dan Roberts. This is our Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast, and we're going to get into the big, mega, crushing business of American football. Now, for the first season of this podcast, we're focusing on football. Football, 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 because it dominates the year. It dominates the news cycle, not just during the football season, but really all year round. The NFL is a $14 billion juggernaut. It has major business implications. A lot of major corporations are tied up with the NFL. They're sponsors of a team or of the league or of the Super Bowl or they're big advertisers. And so the NFL's tentacles extend very far. So the NFL is going to be the focus of this first uh, season of our podcast. And every episode, we're going to dive into a different aspect of the NFL. For this first one, we're focusing on the media, the news, the coverage, the conversation that the NFL instigates. You see leagues trying to maintain control. You see publishers trying to maintain control when there is an absolute free-for-all happening. That is Erica Nardini, the CEO of Barstool Sports. She is one year into that job, and she's our guest today, so stay tuned for that later on. Now let's talk money. NFL's revenue is approaching $14 billion this year. I want to put that in some perspective. That's bigger than the GDP of Jamaica or of Nicaragua or Albania or Haiti or many other countries. And it's bigger than any other major sports league. Uh, major League Baseball, $10 billion in revenue. NBA, $8 billion in revenue. And I think we can agree that the NBA is coming for Major League Baseball. But hard to compete with the NFL, which is just a, a money and ratings and attention juggernaut, attention hog. You just look at any time the NFL has a scandal, whether it's something off the field, on the field. Uh, a few years back, there was everything that happened regarding Ray Rice. And in the same season... Uh, assault accusation and case against Adrian Peterson. Those were mega, mega stories that had major business implications. And then, of course, more recently, and I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm a little biased. I hate even bringing this up, but watching what happened with the Tom Brady deflategate issue. That was just an all-year-round story, even when football wasn't in season. Anytime he showed up to a courtroom, anytime there was a hearing, anytime there was a new appeal, and uh, famously over at the University of New Hampshire... Uh, this sports law professor, Mike McCann, taught an entire course on Deflategate. And that was uh, fun and funny and seems ridiculous, but there were a lot of legal lessons to be gleaned there. So with all this being said, I, I think our idea with this first episode is to look at how and why the NFL dominates the news cycle all year round. How does football do it? Uh, we've watched as the NFL has tried to expand a little bit. It's had games in London and games in Mexico. And so the league doesn't just want to be the juggernaut it is in America. It wants to go global. Uh, we know that Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the league, his favored mantra is protect the shield, which has in many ways become kind of silly and meaningless to some. But they really do it in the sense of controlling the narrative, in the sense of dodging various scandals and issues that some see as hypocrisies. Uh, it has a major head injury problem on its hands. A uh, recent report out this year from Boston University revealed that 111 deceased NFL players' brains were tested. 110 had CTE, the degenerative brain disease. And yet, people keep watching. Here to get more into this is Erica Nardini, 
who is the CEO of Barstool Sports, a website very much at the center of all this. And Erica has been CEO for exactly a year now. I think a lot of people were surprised to see that Barstool Sports has a female CEO. Here she is. We're going to get into it. Hi, Erica. Hi. You are one year into this job. Correct. I want to talk about the broader scope of how the NFL dominates the media all year round. But let's start zooming in on Barstool. Uh, One year into the job, what has surprised you most? That's a good question. Um, There hasn't been much that hasn't been surprising, to be honest (laughs) with you. Um, It's a really rare experience. At least for me, it's been a rare experience and a really special experience to come into something basically unformed. And when I joined Barstool last July, there was no office, there was no P&L, there were no emails, no one lived in New York except Dave and Kevin Clancy and Keith Markowitz. And we've consolidated everyone, we've attacked video in a way that I'm really proud of, we've grown this company to over 80 employees, We've, you know, launched a radio show. We've done hundreds, if not thousands of videos. Our podcasting business is pretty incredible. So that said, most every day there is something that surprises me. Um, And part of what's really unique about Barstool is that as much as it is a brand, it's about a one-year-old business. So the business is just finding itself. And It also is a reality show. I mean, we have a chinchilla running around the office. There are guys with cameras everywhere. We moved into an office space that we thought we would have for five years. And I remember last August, literally a year ago now, Dave and I walking around and being like, we're never going to fill this. Like, can you believe we have this much space? And it lasted us, you know, seven months. Like, it didn't even, (laughs) people are just on top of one another. And it's very alive, and you never know what's going to happen. As you guys grow, you know, one responsibility that you deal with already, and I'm sure we'll deal with more, there are people, I expect, who get their daily sports news from Barstool. They think of that as their news site, which is probably cool, but also maybe a little scary. And so I'd want to ask you what your daily media diet is to tie this back to our larger media discussion. What are the other websites that you visit every day? How do you get your news any email newsletters, apps? Great question. Um, yeah, I remember joining Barstool, and I had seen a girlfriend of mine who, and this was over a year ago at this point, she's like, oh, I get all my news from Barstool. And I was like, that's crazy. And wow. And now I get a lot of my news from Barstool, to be totally honest with you. So the the places I frequent daily are obviously Barstool. I'm on Barstool all the time, whether it's on our app, whether it's on Facebook or on Instagram, um, and then certainly on Twitter. Twitter is a far larger source. I I get all of my news from Twitter. Um, I also use Apple News. I'm a very frequent user of Apple News. I'm a big fan of the information. Um, And then I, I, I play around if I'm bored with Business Insider, or I'll look to the ad or sports business trades. We should add for our readers, the information is a subscription tech site. Yes. You know, and has a, a pay model, but has yep. made that work. Yeah. And there, you know, I also get way more if I look from a year ago or two, a year, you know, two years ago, I get a lot more of my information from podcasts than I used to. Um, and what I really like about that and 
and this is true at Barstool as well, is, you know, Pardon My Take is an amazing podcast to get a sense of, hey, here's what's happening in football. But also, here's two guys who are super funny and whatever they have to say about whatever is happening in their world and the world and sports, et cetera. It's interesting when you say where you get your news to hear you list Instagram. I think that's true for a lot of people now. And there are far-reaching implications of that. Uh, I've talked with players last season as well as staff members of NFL teams because there was some controversy about the NFL's social media policy. And the league was very strictly limiting and cutting down on exactly how many posts each team can post. And yeah, what you could first, do during the game. Yeah, the, the game window. And, you know, at first blush, people, you know, your first instinct might be, why would the league want to limit the teams in any way? Because you would think all the more content, the more engagement. And the league's answer is sort of, well, they, they want the league to be the ultimate, you know, and it's all about protect the shield. And I just think that's so silly because no one goes around and says, I'm a big fan of the NFL. Yeah. When I mean, you say I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah. Say, oh, I love the NFL. Uh, but it, you know, there's so many ways in which the proliferation of quick hit clips on Instagram has disrupted and fragmented the mm-hmm. news. I mean, you don't really need to watch a full game of two teams that aren't your team if you can catch the highlights on either Twitter sure. or Snapchat or Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, you know, one is I think the notion of control is a completely been undermined and you know, my dad used to say to me when I was a kid, like, the best control is no control. And, you know, leave aside my personal thing on that. But as it relates to brands and the Internet, I think it's very true. And you see leagues trying to maintain control. You see publishers trying to maintain control when there is an absolute free-for-all happening. And it's either like get with the free-for-all and be relevant or be controlled. And brands are going through this, you know, consumer consumer brands are going through this as well. I, I think there's a couple things. I think the internet has undermined perfection and packaging and process. So you don't need to wait for, you know, Sports Center. What happened in X game is already all over your Twitter feed. Bleachers covered it on Instagram. We've given some opinion about it. So not only is the news and information out there, it's out there in 30 seconds or less, and it's out there plus opinion. We're not fixated on process or perfection. And look, sometimes I wish we were a little bit more process-oriented, but I what we care about is what's happening right now and what our take is on what's happening right now. And what I think is true for our audience, so if you look at you know 18 to 49-year-old men and particularly 18 to 34-year-old men, they don't want the guy in the suit behind the desk telling them something six hours from now that they already know. And that that is rattling, I think, to... To any business, many businesses rattling to the leagues because they can't control what goes out. I remember when the NFL did that. Yeah, it's true. The NFL has a lot less control over what the narrative is. But at the same time, the NFL just writ large dominates news headlines and not even just sports news headlines and not only in season now. But it starts to feel like all year round is NFL news. Uh, and I, I don't know why that is. I mean, the obvious reason NFL is the biggest sport, although that wasn't always true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a long time, baseball was America's yep. pastime. And now oof, football is America's yeah. pastime, for sure. 
And uh, to, to tie this back to a business sense, <laughs> uh, biggest revenue of any of the major leagues, you know, oh, approaching sure. $14 billion in revenue. Yep. But is there anything else? I mean, why do you think that the NFL has become the attention whore in a sense, yeah. it is. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Look, I love football. I personally, and and I think this is true for men as well. So, I, you know, I'm obviously not Barstool's target, but I care about football more than I care about. I love sports. I care about football exponentially more. I think, you know, we went to the draft this year in Philly. And if you could have seen, you know, there's there's all the stories of footballs over and the concussions and the set in the league and the no fun league, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You should have seen the thousands and thousands and thousands of fans in Philadelphia. And I think what the NFL has done a very good job of is they have marketed stars. And you care or are interested in Tom Brady or the Dallas Cowboys, or Aaron Rodgers, or Colin Kaepernick. Like, you're interested in their storyline. And they've done that. I think the NBA has also done a pretty good job of it. But they've done a brilliant job of it. So I think the first thing that's happening in football is that you care about the stars. And the stars are marketed and promoted well. Two is the whole notion of fantasy and gambling gives you personal interest on a game. You know, baseball is very arduous to even think about playing fantasy baseball. Like, that just makes me feel tired. And it's ironic since fantasy sports started in baseball sure. you know, decades ago. Exactly. But. And then the other thing that's, you know, I think really powerful about football is it's concentrated. You know, it's concentrated to Sunday. And if your team isn't playing at the one o'clock game and they're on the four o'clock game, you're probably watching the one o'clock game anyways. And if it's Sunday night football and the Cowboys are playing, you're moderately interested in the in the Giants Cowboy rivalry. So I think what the what the NFL has done well is to market their players and market the teams. And then products like, you know, Red Zone and Fantasy have made it personally interesting and they have brought a personal element of competition where you know, it's you guys, it's you against whoever's in your fantasy league. So I, I think there's a lot that makes football very relevant and very interesting. Sports, you know, the stories behind sports are interesting in general. They're just that much bigger. No question NFL owns Sunday. And then, of course, there's Monday night yeah. and then Thursday yeah. night. And it's funny, you start to feel like they got a little greedy because Thursday night, the games just aren't as good. I, yeah. I feel like last season that that conversation got a lot louder, too. Oh, People completely. The ratings conversation night. last oh, weekend. Oh, yeah. And we'll or talk about year. that. Yeah. But I, I just, I wonder if, and at this point, they're not going to do it, but you might wonder, it's like, do they need to have three nights? Yeah. You know, could they fold back Thursday night football? That's something I yeah. wouldn't be. I think that the, I think it, the future of media is going to put the leagues in a very good place around, they will be in a power position. I, I agree with you. Is it too much? Is it, you know, Thursday night, question. Sunday, Monday night? Like, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned uh, you mentioned earlier people say, oh, the head injuries, but you said yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and that's absolutely fair. I think that it gets so much attention, and it's certainly extremely important. But you read these op-eds that are sort of written for attention where people say, here's why I gave up watching football, yeah. and it's the minority. And then yeah. even I think many of these people who write that, they didn't stop watching. And, and no one's going to stop watching. Uh, I would ask, you know, you have a, a little boy, you said. Yeah. I mean, would you be okay with him playing football Yeah, eventually? for sure. Okay. Like, I, look, I, I think there's something 
I think there's something about football that is very tied into who you are and where you're from. And, you know, I can't imagine not watching a football game on a Sunday. And if the Patriots are on, like the TV has to be on. Um, And that's just because that's how I grew up. And I'll be doing that forever. Um, I don't have any issue. And that's a personal choice for me with with my kids playing sports and playing contact sports. I, I learned some of my best lessons in my life from sports. So I, I want my kids, if they are into sports, to, to experience, to experience that, that too. Let's talk about the protests, the political protests. Last season, uh, we're talking right before the season starts, and that is heating up again with other players. Uh, you mentioned the ratings earlier, and it's funny. I mean, we're agreeing that NFL dominates the news all year, and yet last season, ratings-wise, and it's still, you have to give the caveat that it still gets such higher viewership than all the other leagues, but it saw its worst ratings yeah. decline in 15 seasons. And the big debate was, you know, why was it? A lot of it was the election, stole attention. A couple of those primetime games were on the same nights as debates. Well, that was yeah. ill-fated. They Tom Brady wasn't worked playing. Around that. Tom Brady wasn't playing. That's it. Deflategate was a you yep. know, huge talker. Uh, and then, of course, a lot of people tried to say, oh, it's the protests and Kaepernick kneeling has hurt the ratings, which I just found very hard to believe that a large number of people would say, I'm so offended by this one player's protest. I'm, I'm not going to watch any football anymore. But now, regardless of whether a team picks up Kaepernick, we're seeing that other players are taking up the mantle. So I guess I'd ask, you know, how much of an influence you think that actually had on ratings last season and if you expect it to influence ratings this season? You know, I think... In any league or in any sport, there are things that erode the base. Controversy is one. Saturation is another, which we've talked about. Um, uh, stars, lack of stars and an, an emotional yeah, an emotional connection to the game or the players. I think those are all pieces. But to everything I mentioned, if you're from Boston and you're a Patriots fan, like you're going, you're going to the game if you can afford it. You are watching the game. You're watching the game in a bar. You're watching the game on your phone. You're watching the game on your TV. So I think that there's ratings challenges across the board. I frankly think it's more a question of the lineup and media saturation more than anything else. When we look at the league and the way that it does dominate the news, we talk about the appeal of the sport of football. But in terms of its image, its reputation, and Barstool has been closely tied to this. You know, Barstool loves to uh, mock Roger Goodell. Uh, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. I should acknowledge my bias, so I think rightfully so. Uh, but famously, you know, you guys have the Goodell clown T-shirt, mm-hmm. and, and Matt Patricia yep. of the Pats was seen wearing the shirt. Uh, I mean, what can be the relationship, or, or what should be the relationship between media outlets and these leagues? Because I think one reason that a lot of other more buttoned-up news outlets would say, oh, Barstool's controversial or Barstool goes too far is simply because they want to keep the relationship with the leagues and, you know, they're not going to get access. Uh, Deadspin famously, you know, they say it's news coverage without access Mm -hmm. and Barstool same way. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not going to get access. We're not going to try. Although now I'd say that the podcast is getting a lot of these guys on there, a lot of coaches. Uh, But is that a new model, do you think? I mean, when you look five years into the future, should news outlets be a little more adversarial to the leagues? I don't think it's about whether you should or shouldn't be adver. I don't think being adversarial is something you calculate. I I think you either have a position and a point of view or you don't. I think what's what's interesting, and it's not just 
it's not just football. It's also baseball. I think the NBA is, is actually the most interesting league because they've chosen to be open. And you've seen a lot of that is Adam Silver, the new commissioner. Hundred yeah. like percent. Yep. You see, you see the difference in that, um, in, in being open to your fans. The relationship between media entities and the leagues is so longstanding and tight that it's there's really no church and state there, and that's that's not great for the consumer because you become very packaged and you become very watered down. And you see this happen in in most all sports, I think. Um, the place where you don't see it, I, I actually look at Premier League and you look at some of the UK publications and the way they cover sports. Right. They can be blistering. Yeah. I love that. Like yeah. that's very barstool. I, I look at that model as as the few that will come here, I think. Um, because once you you know, when you look at what will happen when the rights are up and who's going to get the rights, it's not necessarily going to be media companies. It will be technology platforms. Right. And then it's a yeah, totally new game in terms of what is commentary and coverage. And I think that's very exciting. So Everything is overlapping for sure and converging. Yeah. Amazon showing 10 Thursday yeah, Night correct. Football games. Yeah. So when Amazon shows it, you know, Amazon has a choice. Is Amazon going to create sports coverage the way sports coverage has always been done? Is Facebook going to do sports coverage the way sports coverage has always been done? And that answer is no, they're not. So it's going to bear, it's going to birth a new type of coverage of live sports, a new distribution mechanism for live sports, and a new way for fans to engage for with live sports, far more data-driven. That it that has purchase and conversion wrapped into that experience that's optimized for a feed versus a huge screen, that's a lean in mobile experience versus a sit back television experience. Like it's going to be thrilling. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. You're welcome. Good Thank talk. you. Now, football has always been political. I think that's hard to argue with, but in the last year, it has felt as though the NFL's role in the American political discussion has ramped up. It has exploded. Uh, Blame or thank Colin Kaepernick, but it's not just Kaepernick. It's the fact that everything these days feels like a partisan issue. We're talking about the media. We're talking about the fevered, obsessive coverage that the NFL elicits all year round. And we're talking about Colin Kaepernick. It is extremely hard to believe that there's a large number of people who, from these protests, said, that's it, I'm out, I'm done, I'm not watching the NFL anymore. Give me a break on that, even if you find it offensive, even if you are a America first, respect the flag kind of person, and even if you really genuinely believe that it hurts you and offends you that a quarterback for an NFL team was sitting during the anthem and refusing to salute the flag, even if that's true, I don't buy that you decided to stop watching football. I find that extremely dubious. When you look at some of these surveys, some of these polls that came out in the wake of Kaepernick's protest, a lot of them show that a larger percentage of people than you might think said they believe that Kaepernick's protests are the number one reason NFL ratings were down. At Yahoo Finance, we wrote a story about this very phenomenon. The Seton Hall sports poll found that a majority of people said that Kaepernick's protests are the number one reason they believe NFL ratings are down. That's not the same as a majority of people saying they stopped watching because of the protests. 
In fact, it's really an example of the noise and the influence of the noise that can happen when the media overcovers a story. People believe that their Kaepernick protest had an impact. People believe that it was the number one factor and the number one reason ratings were down last season. Not the same as people saying, I stopped watching because of the protests. Usually, the place where you see people trying to claim that they have completely turned away from the NFL because of the protests is on Twitter. And as we've learned during the election, you can't believe a single thing you see on Twitter automatically. You need to corroborate. You need to see it from multiple sources. Uh, Minutes go by when there's breaking news and certain things emerge. And oops, something that was tweeted in the first few minutes of a news story was incorrect. Uh Uh-oh. I do think that it's already become clear that this wasn't a one-off anomaly. Colin Kaepernick has had his impact. Whether he's back in the league this season or not, we've seen the mega influence that his protests have had. A, the NFL is not going to be able to avoid these political discussions this season. It is going to be at the center of political controversy. And B, let's see how it affects ratings. If ratings are down again, I'm not sure you can automatically say that it's because of outrage from the protest. There are a lot of factors right now. Uh, One thing is for sure, the corporate sponsors are watching this closely. And speaking of the sponsors, that's our topic next week, so you'll want to tune in. Let me end with this. It's really important we mention that when we talk about the NFL ratings falling, for whatever reason, the NFL is still a much, much, much bigger draw than any other sport, even when it's a game that doesn't matter. All right, the ratings for the Hall of Fame game, that's the first preseason game of the year. This year it was August 3rd. The ratings were 18% lower than the average rating for that game. Now, we should mention there wasn't a Hall of Fame game. Last season, it was canceled. 18% lower. But you know what? Even at 18% lower, that game beat out Game 6 of the 2017 Stanley Cup Final. So that was the most important NHL game of the season. And the first NFL preseason game beat it out. I mean, there's just no questioning the NFL. And it brings us back to our overall theme here. It is a sports league that has massive implications, massive footprint, well beyond the season in which it is played. And you wonder, other leagues can take a page from the NFL's book, but do they want to? Do they want to be that relentless where it just starts to feel like all year round you can't escape NFL news? It's wild. Please, 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 please respond to us. Tweet at me. Tweet at us at Yahoo Finance. Tell me what you think. Tell me why I'm wrong. And please keep with us for the rest of the season. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Find us on whatever platform you use for podcasts. Acast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week for Episode 2 of the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Bye. Bye.